Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and welcome to episode 23 of Ain't No Free Lunch. Tykeena and I want to introduce you to a little bit of consistency. That's right, we're back again, and this time in a timely fashion. Episode 23 is a little bit pessimistic in nature. Sorry about that, but we're trying to keep it all the way real. We talk how Donald Trump is most likely not going to be impeached by this 115th Congress because of partisan alliances and how, unfortunately, and not to rain on everybody's parade, but we don't think that the Democratic Party will be taking back either of the houses of Congress in 2018 like the resist movement is pushing for. Honestly, we hope that we're going to be wrong on both counts, but until then, we're working on solutions to help bring about the change we want. All right, y'all. Let's eat. So, uh, what's up? Nothing much. I, uh, kind of distressed over the, the news that we have going on, that we have out in, in the entertainment world in particular, actually having about, a lot of stress. You talking about Colin Kaepernick snapping back at, uh, at Michael Vick? I mean, I actually got all the life from that personally, <laughs> Because I think a lot of people know in general that, but I actually, I was referring to something else, but we can get to that a little bit later. But for me, I feel like I have been a defender of Michael Vick for years. Right? Same. Retweet. Right. I've been a defender of Michael Vick for years. Do I like what happened with the dogs? No. Did Absolutely I think that it was okay? Not. Absolutely no. not. Did I think people after he served his time should have left him alone? Absolutely. Do we have people who play in the NFL who are under allegations of murder? Yes, we have. That's, you know, wife beating, that whole thing. You've got Johnny Manziel who reportedly numerous times beat the crap out of girlfriends who is now in talks with NFL teams possibly about making a return. And then you've got so I was very disappointed in Michael Vick. So why don't why don't you tell them what what he said? So basically, actually I'm gonna let you all listen to it. Hey, the first thing we gotta get Colin to do is cut his hair. You know, I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not up here to try to be politically correct, but you know, even if he puts cornrows in it. I, I don't think he should represent himself, you know, in that way in terms of, you know, just the hairstyle. Just go clean cut. You know, why not? You know, you're already dealing with a lot, a lot of controversy surrounding this issue. Um, That's a fascinating thing to hear you say, Mike. That, that he needs to do is, you know, just try to be presentable. I mean, look, so all the social media stuff that he's doing, look, we, we get it. We understand it. It, it. It's time for, you know, Collins to step up in a different way and you know, I think primarily the reason why he's not signed to a team right now is because of the last two seasons. So, yeah, that is the 2017 version of book breaking. <sighs> but uh, Kaepernick was a little bit more eloquent in his response. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, no. I retweeted it. I had commentary on it. I'm, I'm just going to say I'm not hyping myself up because, you know, I only have like, what, 200 followers, 300 followers. But... My Twitter be lit. And so I talked about it. And basically, he didn't even like, he didn't even respond for real, for real. He just like put up a definition, which to me was eloquent. I don't know. It was super, it was just kind of out of control. Uh, Tell them what he said. Okay. So basically, 
what let's just give a backtrack you just heard it michael vick said that he needs to cut his hair after the way that mike the nfl had treated treated michael vick i would never thought in my life that i would ever hear anybody like him defending the mistreatment and i don't want to say defended but like just trying to rationalize the mistreatment of the nfl to another player particularly another black player right so Kat, um kaepernick responded to allegations that he needed to kind of clean up his image in order to be picked up by an nfl team by tweeting something that said stockholm syndrome the Stockholm syndrome appears when an abused victim, i.e. I'm assuming he's referring to Michael Vick here, develops a kind of respect and empathy toward their abuser. It was named after a bank robbery in Stockholm when a group of bank employees were held hostage and developed a strong sense of empathy towards their captors. When this traumatic event was over, they even defended their captors by not wanting to say anything that might endanger their captors' freedom. This usually happens because the victim sees the smallest act of decent behavior as an extracted event which makes them see their captors as, as essentially good. This way they leave aside all the negative behavioral distinctions of their captors and focus on the positive ones. This syndrome is also called traumatic bonding or victim brainwashing. So basically Kaepernick is calling Mike Vick brainwashed. Well, or what they say in my barbershop, they call it the Uncle Tom syndrome. Right. And I, and I've, I've heard people say that, but honestly, like in this instance, I just feel like Michael Vick, number one, who used to wear his hair in braids all the time. Not all the like, time. Like definitely. Oh, at the beginning, he definitely had his hair braided. I definitely remember that. He had either braids way, when he, when he first got in trouble. Yes. He had braids in. Right. So, I mean, maybe he thought that once he cut his braids off, that is why he was able to make a reentry into the NFL. We all know that's not the case. You know, this is the thing. I grew up a Mike Vick fan. I you did know, too. He's Huge a, fan. He's a Virginia guy. He was electrifying. He helped rebuild Virginia Tech football. Um, I was super excited when he was drafted by the Falcons. I had a Michael Vick jersey. I did too, and I don't even watch football. You know, <laughs> I took I took class pictures with the Michael Vick jersey on backwards with the band aid on my on my cheek. Shout like out Nelly. to my shout out to my favorite rapper Nelly. <laughs> don't judge me, but for Michael Vick to come out and say this. Like, at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick has accomplished more in his short career than you did your entire career. Whoa, I can't. I don't know if I can stamp that because I don't watch football, but that's a that's a big, big statement. Michael Vick, someone that I've been caping for publicly saying, hey, man, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame, comes out with some crocked up nonsense like this. You need to cut your hair. Like, out of everything that's transpiring in the world, you're talking about cutting his hair. If you want to talk about, if you want to assess Colin Kaepernick on his play on the field, fair enough. If you say, hey, you know, he's he has been playing the best, okay, I'm here for it. We can talk about his injuries. Hey, I'm, I think I said last year that I think Colin Kaepernick and his decision not to stand for the national anthem has a direct correlation to Colin Kaepernick remaining on the San Francisco 49ers last year. That's my personal opinion. But for you to say this man needs to cut his hair to get a job, like, 
that's the equivalent of these police academies around the country and these different military academies saying that women can't have their hair hanging like, you know, you can't have dreadlocks and, you know, it's the Stockholm syndrome personified. For me, it it just seemed like a lot of victim blaming in terms of instead of like looking at the fact that uh, this these NFL teams have shut out Colin Kaepernick from playing. Well, and I don't know about saying it. I, I you blame it on him by saying like, oh, if he wants to get back in the NFL, he needs to cut his hair. That's what I'm that, that I'm not saying that Kaepernick or Kaepernick. I never I know how to pronounce his name. But I don't I, Kaepernick. I'll say Colin. I don't know if Colin. Like, I'm not calling him a victim, but what I'm saying is he's saying, oh, well, here are the steps that you can take to make yourself more palatable. Obviously, he's not concerned about being more palatable. And honestly, at the end of the day, it should be matter. It should be based off of his skill. As long as he hasn't killed anybody or put somebody else in danger, it should be about whether or not the boy can play football. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Because... Kaepernick ultimately opted out of his contract. Do I think Kaepernick would have been cut? Absolutely. But he opted out of his contract this year, which means that's like you saying, well, I didn't sign a new contract to return to Richmond City Public Schools, but I'm mad that I don't have a job right now. You know, he decided to opt out. And but do I think Kaepernick should deserve a job? Uh, an opportunity at least an invite to camp absolutely i think that he will ultimately get an invite because it's the nature of the business some people will be hurt and i think he'll get a shot uh probably in the next week or two mm-hmm. but we will see we will see there are other people that have been shunned from the nfl as well now i will say i think their behavior was egregious and Kaepernick's wasn't. You know, that was his personal choice. But, uh, yeah, there are some other people that have been blackballed from the NFL. Hmm. Well, you know, I don't follow it super closely. Um, I I know the rules of the sport. I can watch it. But and as far as, like, what individual players are doing, unless it's something that's big that's making it into the, I don't know, you know, into the news, it's not something that I, I really know about. But, yeah, I just... I was really disappointed in Michael Vick's comments, especially after the way that the NFL treated him. So it's almost like when he makes these comments, it's almost like some of those things were warranted that the people said and did to him. Like for you to have the audacity to come out and say these things. Now it's like, who are you trying to please now? Yeah. That's why, that's why he said Stockholm syndrome. Obviously yeah. he's trying to please a certain group of people that have mis mistreated him in the past. But also what I was really talking about at this at the top when I was saying all this stuff going on, you know, um, Mr. Robert Kelly. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) You're really attacking me on all of my favorites from the early 2000s. today. Um, uh, Yeah. So our Kelly is back in the news. And honestly, I feel like we can do an entire episode about how much how I'm trying to keep it clean, how he is a big. He's a sick bastard. Yeah. Yeah. He is a terrible human being. And there, I don't, I don't understand how anyone is defending him at this point. 
and we, honestly, we could do an entire episode. And actually, it, let's do an episode on Robert. I was I used to cape for Robert as well. Like I have when, never in my life ho- caped for Robert. Oh, hear me out. Hear me out. Like when I went to college, I had a friend. She was sixteen. She had an ID. She used to be in the club every single night. She she had a sister that she looked exactly alike. Mm-hmm. And she had her sister's ID, so she would buy drinks and everything. And so people, you know, used to hang out with her and whatever. I don't know what transpired in their relationships. But what I would say was, well, Robert always said that he met these women in the club. So he's assuming that they are legal. So not to justify what he did, but I said, I can, I used to say, well, I can understand how this could happen somewhat. But yo, he's operating like this is like sex slavery it's like human trafficking in 2017 i I have never kate ever since that i found out that robert kelly was married to Aaliyah, which was then annulled when she was 15 there's been no explanation of he couldn't have not known to me ever that was acceptable do you like teenage girls when you say teenage, how are we talking? Girls who are teenagers. Because you've already proven that you like little girls. So <laughs> everything else is null and void. Not only that, like a lot of, and I'm not saying this is indicative of every person who exhibits behavior like your your friends, some people clearly it can be the case that that is something that they're interested in. But some people who act out in those ways, they have histories of abuse already. You know, Um, and so for me, I just when I read that he got married to a 15 year old when he was not 15, there, there the possibility that he not only did he not know, but if he had known, would he have not cared? He wouldn't have cared. He he married a 15 year old. That's disgusting. And then wrote her an album that was called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, we're gonna have to say it because I have all sorts of words and none of them are positive. Um, so I'm gonna have to we're just gonna have to get into the episode because I will go on and on and on and I, I just want I, he's a horrible human. And there's no there's nothing that can be said that can defend him in my eyes. think some of y'all been waiting on this episode since early may 2017 early may dang why are you trying to put us on blast or not being consistent <laughs> no 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 no. when trump fired james comey oh yeah the former mm. fbi director like right. we got a bunch of tweets like i can't wait on ain't no free lunch to talk about comey but yeah, I, but we I kept waiting we kept waiting on the tea we said maybe something else will break, but here we are. I get asked three or four times a day, why hasn't Trump been impeached yet? 
And so today's episode is going to talk about the feasibility of the impeachment of Donald Trump as well as next year's midterm elections. Which I, I posted a status a couple of days ago, or maybe it was a week ago. Time flies during the summertime, honestly, where I basically made the claim that Donald Trump is impeach proof. You know, you know, let me read it to you. It says, let's chat later because, you know, that's a shout out to uh, Joanne the Scammer, one of my idols. Love her. Anyway, let's chat later about how 45 is impeach proof. No legal actions will be taken against his family and the Dems aren't taking back the house in 18, which are genuinely all the opinion, all, all the feelings that I feel like right now, the, 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 the sheer amount, <laughs> the sheer amount of things that he's done that while technically are not illegal, Okay. Unethical. Immoral. Are unethical. They are immoral. And I genuinely believe in years past would have at least called for a vote on impeachment. If this was Barack Obama, we would have definitely had a hearing about impeachment. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you like look at Bill Clinton, who had a hearing on it on like on impeachment based on him lying about having an affair. How many times has Donald Trump lied? Well, Bill Clinton said depends on what the definition of is is. And Bill Clinton said he did not have sexual relations with that woman. He said that woman. He didn't clarify which women. <laughs> women. And I mean, at that time, the type of relations that he was engaging in wasn't considered intercourse. So, I mean, it is. It is, though. It is. But though. we got to think about this in the 90s. I mean, the world was different. It is. But like the thing about it is. For Internet me, who in 1998? <laughs> no, but for real. But I, I just. The thing about it is we have so many sources. We have so many things. We have so many everything pointing to every time he tells a lie. And his entire base just does not care. They don't care. Yeah, so this is what I say when people say, "Why, why hasn't Trump been impeached? And truthfully, my politically correct answer is something to the effect of, while many of his actions are egregious, he has not done anything that warrants impeachment yet. Oh, it's come. It's gotta come. But my true thoughts and feelings are both less measured and less optimistic. I doubt that Donald Trump will be impeached by the 115th Congress. He's he's not going to like they have tucked their tails between their legs and run behind him. Anything that he says, they immediately sidestep. Yeah, they're being cowards. Tom Garrett talking about you. Paul Ryan talking about you. Talking about you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even like the travel ban, like when Trump was the candidate and mentioned a Muslim ban, it was saying, oh, it's unconstitutional, it's illegal. But then as soon as he implements a travel ban, first they try to say, well, it's not a it's not a ban, but he wait, comes wait, out and says, up, you're breaking up, you're breaking up, you're breaking up, you're breaking up. You said it's start from as soon as he came out with the travel ban, as soon as he comes out with the travel ban, which. You know, they started caping for him and said, oh, it's not really a travel ban. It's not a ban. No, that's a play on words. Trump says, oh, it's definitely a ban. Oh, he definitely he he contradicts them every single time on a constantly 
single time that they try to like fix something he says, he's like, nah, nah, nah. I said what I mean, and I meant what I said. <laughs> yeah, but then they come out and say, well, this is a way to make our country safer. Like, no, bruh. No, it's really not. And so last night I was watching All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC and Ari Melber was in for for Chris Hayes. And I forget which senator it was, but he was talking to a senator and he was like, so that meeting that Donald Trump Jr. took with those Russian whatever officials, whomever, whatever you want to call them, with those seven other people. Do you think that that's basically was that ethical? And he was like, well, I'm really focused on the health care bill right now. And I've only watched about an hour of news this, this week. And, you know, just sidestep. And Ari Melber was like, okay, so that's not the question though. The question is if a person, if a, a person who is, or a group of people who are integral, integral to a person's campaign takes a meeting with a foreign authority with the hopes of undermining an opposite and the an opponent's party is that unethical and yes he it like, is he goes oh you know I, like i said i'm really focused on getting this health care bill passed and which we now know it's not going to but yeah i, I don't know it's just it's which, the way they run circles <laughs> yeah which Speaking of the health care bill, you know, the whole like campaign, um, Trump's campaign was probably day number one. I'll be signing new health care. Yeah. He, oh, he said <laughs> day one. He said it would take a couple hours. And here we are six months into this camp, into this administration and they still don't have anything like it's ridiculous. Thing. They've been repealing it. And well, attempting to repeal it without a viable replacement option. And today, Donald Trump comes out and basically says, well, we should just, re- you know, let it fail, which un- I need people to understand. Please understand. It's with Donald Trump as president, with the person that we have that's over health and human services, it, health and human services, Price. they are going to make sure that nothing good comes out of this bill underneath them. So it is my genuine belief that Obamacare, if left to them, is going to eventually implode because they're going to make sure that it implodes. So he's like, let it fail and then we'll fix it. We'll come together and fix it. No, people are going to die. People will well, die my congressman, Obamacare. My congressman basically said, well, those people probably didn't vote for me anyway. That's what he Which said. Which is a trash response. Yeah. But like, I'm talking about I, you, Tom Garrett. I can't I wait to give you a pink slip next year. <laughs> Which is like, it just, it drives me nuts. And so he's literally saying like, oh, we're just going to let a whole bunch of people die. And then you're going to learn your lesson and we're going to redo this. What are you talking about? You guys have had years, years, seven years, seven plus years to get this figured out. And you don't have it figured out. I don't know. We just need to impeach 45, call it a day. But we know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. So let's get back to the impeachment. So. Impeachment is the act of charging a public official with misconduct. Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution states, and I quote, Officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or, bribery. Other, high, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. I swear, I, I, if he's End not quote. being bribed, my name is not Danny Green. However, so so out of 45 presidents, only two have been impeached to date. Andrew Johnson, trash. 1898. 
and President Clinton. 1998. Yeah. But neither one of them were actually removed from office. And there is actually a misnomer that Nixon was impeached. Nixon resigned. resigned. Yeah. Yeah. He resigned before he was impeached. So um, basically, in order to impeach the president, the majority of the U.S. House of Representatives have to figure have to decide whether or not that or believe that he's committed a crime uh like above from above treason bribery other crimes misdemeanors but from my humble understanding you cannot impeach someone for something that was done before taking office which i'm sure we could have been able to impeach donald trump off of something based off of something that he did before taking office but that's not allowed so basically you have a senate hearing committee that basically the Senate essentially does the impeaching. Yeah, they right? do the no the the House does the impeaching. The Senate does the does removal the from the office. Yeah, oh. they actually have a trial. Okay, and two thirds of its members, right, have yes. to be required to vote in favor Correct. of removing the president from office. But we have a Republican led both House, houses, right? both House houses, and and Congress. And Senate, um, yeah. sorry, and Senate. Sorry. Um, which means that the way that they've been acting and, you know, running in circles and sticking their head in the sand, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So 237 of the 435 members of the House are Republican and 52 of the 100 members in the Senate are Republican. Right. So we just don't have the votes to impeach Trump unless you have some like rogue members. Right. Right. And of course, you know, Donald Trump said, I think he said today that some of the Republicans weren't loyal. And I'm really confused by, you know, basically they weren't loyal and by voting against the House bill for health care, the health care bill. And I'm just really con- confused. I, like, I heard he was playing that Chris Brown in the White House. These hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> I'm just really confused because, like, who are they loyal to? I mean, who are they being? Loyal? They're supposed to be loyal to their constituents. And if their constituents are saying that this is not something that they want, then they are being loyal. They they owe you no loyalty, Mr. But President. Trump thinks that he's running the street organization. Shout out the power. Does. Like, and he's just going to get rid of the cancers that don't do everything he says. Like he wants robots. No, he really does. And like, he was quoted as saying today, that we need to just elect more Republicans because the Democrats, the eight Democrats that are in the way, he says eight Democrats are holding it hostage because you need a 60, what is it? A 60, 40, 60, 40 vote in order to, you need a two thirds. Um, right, right, right. In order to just pass something through. Yeah. And, well, it's because now you have to do it as like a budget item since right. the affordable care act is already the law. So you mm-hmm. can't pass it with a simple majority. Right. And so he's like, we need these six. He's saying eight Democrats are holding that. Um, what is it? The Senate hostage. Get out of here. By No. You, first of all, I just want to send a shout out to the main senator. I haven't really looked too deeply into her stuff, so I have to do some more research. But Susan Collins has just been rogue on everything. If she feels not everything, but if she feels like there is something that is being pushed by the Republicans that is detrimental to her constituents, she is the first person to say, nope, not me. Sorry, not not it. Like, I'm not going to be a part of this. And so it was Susan Collins, Rand Paul, and then two other 
two other senators who came out together, I think yesterday night that said that they would not be supporting the the healthcare bill. It's just, it's kind of crazy to me that you can have, aside from the, you know, the healthcare bill aside, like all of these allegations about Russia are very concerning to me. And these emails that Donald Jr. has put out, and I'm just like, he hasn't done anything criminal yet. We haven't found anything criminal yet. It's it's there. It's it's somewhere. You know, even about Donald Jr.'s emails, I felt that at some point Trump was going to have someone fall on the sword for him. I didn't think that that person would be his namesake. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. But the thing about it is he's talking about he didn't know. Oh, my gosh. Are you joking? But- Nobody... And his crew, nobody breathes without talking to him. Yeah, but, you know, apparently the Secret Service was also at this meeting. I missed that. Yes. Wow. That's what I've been gathering from my sources. Okay. More details, please. Donald Trump Jr. didn't have Secret Service detail last year during the campaign. Okay. So if the Secret Service was there, Mike Pence or Donald Trump was there. Oh, okay. Which, you know, <laughs> could, could definitely make this take a, a different turn. And well, Mike Pence did the real quick. I don't, I don't know these fools. <laughs> like, yeah, he was real he quick hired now. some lawyers from Virginia. He was quick to be like, I don't know. I don't know. It won't me. It won't me be. <laughs> He's the my, most in my, the dark VP that I have. My name I is Bennett and I ain't in it. <laughs> I ain't in it. Like he, he don't remember nothing. Nobody communicates anything to this man, which you know what? It is what it is. And I think a lot of people, and this is why the, you know, that Facebook status flowed so well together is people are talking about the possibility of impeaching Trump and really we're not going to be able to impeach him under this 115th Congress. Yes. And so we will elect the 116th Congress in November of 2018. Right. And so people are wanting to, you know, to kind of turn the tide on this and change the houses, change the Senate, change the House of Representatives to, to kind of flip Congress. And that's basically been the goal that I've been hearing ever since, you know, we started. Ever since November of 2016. But, yeah, December 2016. But, but I don't and, know. And so, like, that's... That's our way to put a check on the executive branch of government. Because there is no check on it right now right. outside of our judicial branch, which if we keep on waiting, these people are not. I I need RBG to keep holding out. But you know what? If somebody else steps down, the there will be no check right. on that. And, it will be a conservative board. And unfortunately... We have not won the election since November of 2016. Not a single election. Not and, and every single one is supposed to be the mandate or the referendum against Donald Trump, and we continuously lose. Right, and I feel like for us, yes, it's important that we are constantly trying to gather as much information on Trump's negligence and gathering as much information as we can on these Russian ties and do what we can to make sure that, you know, when the time comes that if we are able to flip 
Congress, then we're going to then we have, you know, our ducks in a row to make sure that everything gets, you know, knocked out as smoothly as possible. But I don't know. I we have some significant issues in the Democratic Party. Yeah. And we continue to only target races that our experts think we can win. We right. have little diversity. We aren't reaching out to millennials. We aren't we aren't doing a great job of outreach and engagement. For goodness sake, we have in Virginia our flagship fundraisers named after Andrew Jackson and Thomas Jefferson. Right. Which you would find and I think we talked about that before. I feel like that's if someone asked me if I was attending a fundraiser named after those people, I even though I understand that they are Democrats, right? I would be very surprised that they were. This wasn't a Republican. Yeah, a couple of people asked me. It's like, oh, you going to the JJ event. this year? Someone was even like, I, I have some tickets. I want to sponsor you. No, I'm not going to the JJ. And excuse me, sorry, Thomas Jefferson wasn't a Democrat, was he? I made that I, up. No, I man, he was a Democrat, but Democrats were a little bit different back then. They're always different. Eventually. <laughs> Like, I mean, over time, that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves is when people constantly say like, oh, well, you know, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and so and so was a different. Shut up. The philosophies of the parties change. And I just checked myself. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was a Democratic Republican. But here's my thing. Even past messaging. OK, past millennials, past diversity, past outreach, all of that nonsense. I I don't think that we're going to flip Congress in 2018. Okay, carry on. And so this is this is purely based off of logistics. And this is not me going on my like racism, sexism, ableism rant that I like to when I start talking about issues like this. I I genuinely just believe that logistically we are not going to flip Congress. And so the reason why, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to ask you, uh, it seems like a lot of these things are cyclical and typically the person, the the party that's in the White House, the other party wins Congress. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it, and Virginia was very indicative of that until our last election with Terry McAuliffe. Very, very indicative of that. Usually whatever the president was. The governor was the opposite for mm -hmm. years, for decades, whatever the president was, we had a, you know, a gubernatorial election and it was the exact opposite. So it was kind of a shock when Terry McAuliffe won at the same time as President Obama because, well, the year after President Obama, because it just didn't happen like that in Virginia. And Congress is the same way. It's so rare that the president and Congress parties align that only two times twice since the civil war have the parties of congress and the party of um the president been aligned and that was once in 1934 and the other was in 2002 so it's incredibly oh, you're you talking about on midterm elections midterm elections sorry yes. not the president so like immediately following because normally i think yeah, like, like obama, obama he, he called swept. it a shellacking yeah <laughs> and then in 2010 the tea party wave and right republicans had the majority for the rest of his tenure and midterms president. often flip 
because that's when you have the angry votes, right? The people who lost the presidential election come out in the midterm elections and the people who won the presidential election kind of stay home because they feel satisfied because people don't understand how civics and government work, but whatever. So basically the, com- the expectations since 2016 and the conversation that's been surrounding it has been that Democrats are going to sweep in 2018. You know, you had the Women's March, you have all of these grandiose shows of people who are absolutely furious about what's happening with the election of, of Trump. And so the the narrative has been, you know, Democrats are going to come back and they're going to come back strong. But honestly, that's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen despite Democrats being in the best position that they've been in since 2010 to win a majority of seats of the House of Representatives because of the anger. You know, as we remind people all the time, Hillary Clinton won by, well, excuse me, not won. She lost, but had 3 million more votes. So obviously you're seeing that Democrats in general might be a little bit more representative, but the House of Republicans, they're not, sorry, the House Republicans aren't going to be going down too easily. They're not going to go down. uh, Just because of gerrymandering in the districts. Oh, yeah. Gerrymandering, like districts have been like aggressively gerrymandered uh, since 2010 where as a result of gerrymandering, we the Republicans picked up six governorships and 20 state legislative chambers so, in that one year. So should our play be, not to go off on a tangent here, should our play be to contest some of these districts in the state courts? Well, we've, we like, 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 we like we did in Virginia last year and we picked up a, an additional congressional seat there. Yeah. Well, now we, held by... Congressman McKeachin. We've been trying, you know, federal and state courts basically have forced some states to allow districts after 2010. Um, oh, sorry, have kind of forced them to fix those heavily gerrymandered districts, but a lot of them are still in place. Yeah, a you know, lot of them, and they're going to be in place for 2018. Yeah, you know, the argument in Virginia was. Congressman Scott's district, who you know, con- shout you out, Congressman Scott. Hopefully, you still listening to "Ain't No Free Lunch." <laughs> was uh, designed to keep like the majority. I think that was the only major minority majority district in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I mean, and, if you look at those lines, it's kind of ridiculous, though. Like, let's be real. Oh yeah, it goes. It stretches from like the seven five to parts of Richmond. Oh, yeah. Well, his district, I think I could be wrong, but I think his district was like 60 percent black one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you're saying that we can ignore all of the issues in the Democratic Party. You don't think that we can win it back simply based off of the districts themselves? Honestly, I'm, I'm not saying ignore anything because every little bit counts, right? Every little bit helps. And I'm not going to say like ignore stuff, but I'm saying gerrymandering is is a significant problem. And unless we do something to fix the gerrymandering, we might win back some seats, but we're definitely not going to win back all that are available. And you have to look at it even, look at the Senate. Like the way that the narrative was happening when I 
was listening to people talk about, you know, we have to take back Congress, we have to take back Congress. I was thinking all of these Republicans are going to be up for re-election in 2018. There are only eight senators that are that are Republican that are going to be up for re-election in 2018. And five out of those eight are some of the most Republican states in the country. Yeah. Trump carried them all by double digits. I'm talking Mississippi, Nebraska, Tennessee, Utah, and Wyoming. What are we gaining back in those areas? What are what are we getting back in those areas? Yeah, what's our path to victory in those areas? And you know, I think that's why Trump is he's very measured with the words that he uses, and that's why he's saying things like they are eight Democratic senators mm-hmm. that are holding back progress. And I didn't have time to do this research, but I'm sure he's identified seven or eight that can be replaced. Well, not only that can be replaced, that he either won those districts or he was extremely competitive in those states. So I think that's his path. You know, yeah, I think that's smart. That's a smart. Yeah, yeah, like he's going on offense. Like, truthfully, Democrats, like in Virginia, we have our House of Delegates races this year, right? They're right. they're one hundred seats. There are seventeen House districts in Virginia that Clinton won that are currently held by Republicans. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the like our battleground seats, right? Right, but. I have some Republican friends. I want to shout y'all out. I know y'all listen. They've also been sending me some emails like from Republican strategists. And they've also identified a couple seats in Virginia that are, they've identified districts that Trump won that are currently held by Democrats in the House right. of Delegates. And they are really like focusing on those those districts as well. So. I think that's one thing about Trump. He's going on offense a lot more than typical politicians. And a lot earlier. Yeah. You know, he's campaigning now for himself. Like, actually, I found. And this could be something that could possibly be articles of impeachment. He's using campaign finance funds to pay for his son's legal fees. Which I don't know if that's what those are for. They aren't. And there's a conflict of interest, but everything he does is a conflict of interest, but that could be possibly articles of impeachment. But you're, you're right when you're talking about like battlegrounds, because there are only eight Republican senators up for reelection in 2018, but there are 20 plus Democrats that are up for reelection. Yeah. 10 of those democratic senators, senators are running for a reelection in states that Trump won last November. He won Indiana, Missouri, Montana, North Dakota, and West Virginia by double digits. Which senator is up in West Virginia? Is it the one that's been voting for with them all with the Republicans the whole time? He hasn't been voting with them the whole time, but he's been real comfortable with them. He's been really, really comfortable with them. Lahab Navin. Yeah. So honestly, like I don't. I don't see the Democrats winning the chamber, like the chambers, either one of the chambers. Honestly, I'm kind of scared that Republicans are going to gain enough Senate seats to to garner a filibuster proof majority. Those that 60 seats that we were talking about earlier, where they can just kind of like 
move stuff through, which I feel like is going to be incredibly problematic. And so, well, people are often asked that they, they want to know, not just like, okay, so, you know, we have all these battleground issues, but then you also have to look at like how the electoral college is set up Mm. because the electoral college is based off of population, right? Um, Part of it is based off of population. Part of it is based off of, you know, every, the Senate, every, every state gets two representatives. And I found this amazing article that if you guys want to go back and read from, it's called, um, as American, um, as American as apple pie, the rural votes disproportionate slice of power. And it's a New York times piece by Emily Badger, where she basically breaks down why and how rural voters are going to maintain Congress in November and do so at crazy high levels. Because the the argument right now is that a lot of what's being pushed forth right now it, are values that are held by rural voters and how rural voters are not the majority of Americans, right? Only one in a five Americans actually resides in a rural area now. We, people in metropolitan areas far outnumber people who live in rural areas. However, the way that our system is broken up, and I mean like the House of Representatives and how it's structured, basically rural voters are gonna have this own cushion because their districts there are more, you know, when you cut up the entire state into districts, a, a, a metropolitan area, even though it's going to have a large number of people there, they're only going to have maybe one or two representatives come out of that one area, whereas all the other rural areas, because it's so much land, mm-hmm. are going to have more representatives come out of there. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, Danielle, I, I made this argument a few years ago. And uh, that kind of carried over to some discussions I had on Facebook even last summer about the Electoral College. Okay. The Electoral College, like if you look at it, is predicated upon slavery. Oh, yeah. And the three-fifths compromise. I think we even talked about it on the show here once. We did. We did. And the why don't we go to just the popular vote? And so we know it's uh, there are a lot of dog whistles when we start having conversations like that in America. Mm-hmm. But those things definitely, you know, there's a correlation between that and the power in Congress now and how, you know, the majority of people in America, even though they may want something, I don't know, just talking about voting for Hillary Clinton, like the majority of people in America after Sandy Hook wanted some type of common sense gun Gun legislation. Yeah, I remember that. And Congress still didn't make a move because rural America kind of dictated to them what they want. Like rural America validated what they already wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, states containing, according to the article I mentioned, states containing 17% of the American population can theoretically elect a Senate majority. So we will have the will of 17% of America 
overshadow what the rest of America, 83%, don't correct me because my math is terrible, 83% of the rest of America basically being at its whim. The least populous states are far more overrepresented than ever before based on how our House of Representatives is structured. So even when Democrats basically win 50% of the vo- of voters nationwide, they're still going to hold fewer than 50% of the House seats just based off of gerrymandering and how we live. So honestly, you, you want my solution? It sucks, but like we got to start moving to rural areas again. <laughs> Uh, or or fix the way that the lines are drawn or fix the structure of the House of Representatives because right now rural areas have such electoral strength that they can win a majority, they can make a person the president of the United States of America without the will of the popular vote, without the will of quote unquote what they would have been called coastal elites or people who live in cities, which I understand we we operate on the basis of we want to have a country that has majority rule with the rights of the minority protected. However, right now, majority is not ruling. Right. It's it's just a fact of the matter. And so I'm really concerned about how we are going to how Democrats are going to win Congress when it doesn't matter if they have the majority of the vote. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we can reach out to millennials. They can reach out to, you know, different groups. They can fix diversity. But at the end of the day, rural areas are not pre are not dominated by millennials. They're not dominated by a particularly diverse base. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? They're not dominated. And and this is not a slight. This is just a, a fact. People who live in rural areas tend to have less higher education. Sec- they're, they're less likely to go into post-secondary education. Let's not, so let's it, not get into the education piece because no, we aren't going to agree there. I'm, I'm just I'm not I'm all I'm saying is they are less likely to have post-secondary education, whether that be trade school, that be whatever. You know what I mean? Four-year college, community college, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we can... They're less we likely can... to finish secondary education as well. But carry right. on. So what, what I'm saying is we can flip all of those things and still lose. And so one of the biggest things that bothered me after the election was people talking about how the Democrats ignored the rural white voter, which all rural people aren't white, but like the white middle-aged man living in rural America. Because honestly, I feel like everything that's done in America is often done in mind with, you know, the average Joe white middle class, well, you know, white middle-aged American male. Joe the plumber? Right. With regard to Joe the plumber, I feel like everything is done in that way. But when I sat down and I looked at these things concerning gerrymandering and how we're supposed to flip Congress, as much as it burns me, there's a kernel of truth in that because if there is nothing to pull that vote in, we will continue to have the minority group, which is rural America, have majority say, which is inherently problematic. So... You're saying that 
we have our work cut out for us next year and it's not as easy as type and resist on on head on uh twitter oh no and there, thinking there's that, some... and thinking that we are gonna just win this win these elections next year. yeah i i think it's a, a miscalculation to assume that all we need to do is go and vote in 2018 because the vast majority of people who are a part of this resist movement the vast majority of them they live in major metropolitan areas and i think that's that's something that's really important to to recognize that you can go and vote but if the as a party there is not some sort of push for fixing these gerrymandering like well, well, i mean i don't know i don't it, it's man, it's going to remain the same we i think we need some vision and truthfully and this is going to sound extremely bad as of july 18th 2017 I don't know if we can beat Donald Trump in 2020. Because of... Who's going to run against him? We can find somebody. Yeah. I mean... I mean, The Rock is running. The, so... The, that's not definite yet. He hasn't, <laughs> he, respond, he hasn't responded to my tweets about it. And, I, the, and The Rock has been a registered Republican for a while. So unless he's going to up in Donald Trump in the primary, which that could be a play for us because every president since 1960, I think that mm -hmm. lost reelection had opposition in the primary. Well, let's, let's play whatever play we need to play. And so <laughs> I, what there were only what two presidents that lost uh, his reelection mm -hmm. Ford and H.W. Bush. I believe so, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Oh, and Carter. Oh Ford, yeah. Carter lost Ford, Carter, H.W. Bush. Those are the only presidents that lost reelection bids. And all of them had opposition for the primary for the nomination. Mm. So that could be our play. I don't know. It. It definitely could be, and it's something that I feel like should be investigated. I think there's – I don't want to say that there's time because there's not time. There's. It actually feels like 2018 is right around the corner because, holy crap, it's already July 2017. We're over halfway through July of 2017. Right. I just feel like there needs to really be some – deep thinking I don't think about we, I don't think we have anybody with a national profile that can be a presidential candidate in 2020 uh, somebody's gonna pop up they always do uh they always do how, I mean I, honestly I, I mean, like I, I didn't think Barack Obama had the presidential profile to but, to to run but Barack Obama came out in 2004 at the Democratic National Convention. So he kind of had a national profile and it kept ascending over the next four years. He won. So maybe we he, need to go back he, and look and see it. Look at the speeches. Maybe there's somebody's hiding in the shadows right now. Hold on. He won Senate in 2006. Um, so during the midterm, he won Senate and then he ran for president in 2008. So we look back at DNC the majority of the people that 
were there. Like I saw very few newcomers because everyone was assuming that Hillary would win and mm-hmm. that there wouldn't be a need. Like we had eight years to groom someone to get ready. So well, hopefully somebody's being groomed right now. I, I, mean, I mean, there's not much there's not much more we can say about it. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, you know, I, I know a lot of people like Congressman Waters, but I think she's a little bit too old. And I don't think that she will appeal to the moderates. She's not going to appeal to the moderates and she's not trying to appeal to the yeah. moderates, which is why she's possibly an idol of mine. Just saying I'm going to throw that on the page. Um, You know, I, I don't think. Sanders is the person that they kind of been promoting. Like I'm so tired of Bernie Sanders and rural America at a coffee shop or a brewery talking to people about why we didn't I don't earn their election. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he is either, but, but he's getting all of the attention. Like he is going to run again. And I don't know if, I don't know if he can beat Trump truthfully. Like I'm not being funny. Know. And, you know, the a person that I like, but he really isn't getting attraction and he has a national profile because of his name already is Congressman Joe Kennedy mm-hmm. from Massachusetts, son of RFK, nephew of JFK. He's a Kennedy. He looks a lot like JFK. I think he's someone that could definitely get some uh you know i i think he people will open the coffers for him but i don't know if that's even something that he's interested in or if he's ready for it i don't know much yeah. about it i don't i don't background. know i i need to do some research before i definitely like step into step into that but i don't know i i i definitely need to do more research on this i think they're obviously democratic strategists are looking at it but i think that Unless we wholeheartedly look at the way that strategists our... also lost to the election last year, I got time today. I don't. We have to wrap this up soon. <laughs> I mean, we talk about democratic <laughs> strategists. These are the same people that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody got it wrong. So I feel like, yeah, unless we unless we inherently look at the way that our voting system is set up. We are going to continue to have rural America to dominate urban areas. I mean, and, and that's, it is what it is, especially as we continue with this out migration of people from rural areas to metropolitan area. And, you know, for me, like build up structures in a rural area. I might move there. I don't know. I won't. I probably won't. I, I like the suburbs too much. But I don't know. Do you feel like we ate today? Yes, about to, man, it feels so good to be back on a schedule, like knocking these out. Like, man, it's like reinvigorating to be back bringing y'all lunch on the regular. <laughs> it still ain't free, though. Share and subscribe, never. subscribe and share. Lunch is never free, but at least we're coming up with solutions. Like we're working towards what we need to get to to see what we want to have, have happen. Facts. Did that even make sense? Yeah, I think it makes so yeah we're we're back on the schedule let's see how effective this schedule is and uh let's make this happen see y'all next week r kelly coming up oh lord robert